Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. going on Roto Grinders welcome to best ball hot takes part two uh we did a previous one about maybe 10 days ago or so focused on five teams check that out there on the YouTube stream bringing back the usual suspects batting first leading off is Chris Prince you guys know him better as beer makers fan of course beer former FanDuel live finals champion beer how are things in your world I'm good. I've never hit leadoff before. I, I'm a big guy so I'm generally somewhere in the, in the, the heart of the order so it's nice to uh Get a shot at the leadoff spot. I am good, Dean. Spent a week in the Smoky Mountains, little rest, relaxation with the family. Ready to come back and spit some fire here with my boy Jamino. Hey, you know, analytics says like just I don't care if you have speed or not. Just I just want you to bang out some dingers. You bang out, you get an extra bat if you bat up at the top. So that's good enough for me. I, I imagine you get the dingers. Yes, right. maybe a little power, a little tiny little bit of speed left, maybe. But you know, I'm getting old, <laughs> so we got we got to squeeze every uh, every bit from the from the stone here that we can. We're also going to bring in the, the hardest working man here at Roto Grinders, a former XFL guru, ownership projection guru. If you like what you see as far as lineup HQ, uh, Jamino's had his hands in it. Basically anything here at RG, uh, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Every once in a while, we'll let him uh, in front of the camera. If he, if he seems particularly ornery today, Jamino, it's because uh, Devo Samuel, that news just cracked. He's going to be out with their same, but what, three to four months or so. We'll see how that goes down. Jamino, how are things in your world? You know, Dean, nothing tilts me more than when I see people talk about what's going to happen when sports come back. Dean, sports have been back the whole time for me. <laughs> I, can't, I can't stop doing work. Like, somebody tell me when sports are going to go away. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends how you define sports. But, yeah, for sure, KBO, we have the Japanese Baseball League starting. There's golf. There's MMA. Uh, Australia, Aussie Rules is going down as well, too. Uh, and we should say, right, right before we started recording about an hour or two ago, uh, Beer, I'm going to bring you into this as far as uh, San Francisco, how this shakes things up because uh, Debo Samuel, I mean, who really knows? It's just kind of broke, but they're projecting what three to four months or so uh, he's going to be out. How does that change? And of course, we talked about San Fran works out perfectly on our last video. How does this uh, Debo Samuel uh, news uh, trickle down to the rest of the players, the rest of the skill guys there in San Fran? I'd love to take a shot at Jamino here for the for the early victory lap causing this injury, but I'm I'm not gonna not gonna rain on this parade. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave him alone. But obviously a huge hit for the offense. You know we expected Brandon Ayuk maybe to get a shot. Obviously he's not gonna come in and be the lead dog there. So it'll be more of a you know by committee. Let, let's fill some of these some of these shoes here of Debo. So I think Kendrick Bourne, an, an interesting name to keep an eye on. We'll see if Dante Pettis can enter back into the mix, but. Mainly, it bumps Kittle up for me, and then we have to take a look at those running backs, and maybe they're more involved in the passing game. So 
I don't see a, a big benefactor here. I know it's big shoes to fill, but I honestly think it'll be by committee. Kittle gets a bump. Horn becomes an interesting name later in your draft, along with Ayuk. Pettis, maybe you take a shot in your last round. We'll see if he can enter the equation. So nothing groundbreaking, a huge loss, obviously. But him not, you know, three to four months is the timeline. Maybe he's back week five, week six. You still get half a season out of him. Maybe he's a steal later in your draft as well. He's falling. I'm not. I'm. I'm more than willing to pounce on Debo Samuel in those later mid rounds. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he trickles down to. Obviously, the ATP, the uh, ADP will uh, you know, obviously drop uh, as far as drafts going forward. Uh, we're going to be talking about the, the NFL here from a best ball perspective. Uh, five teams in particular will focus on mainly Philadelphia, New England, Cincinnati. Uh, the Dolphins and the Carolina Panthers batting first here as far as the teams are talking about. Jimena, I'm going to let you open it up. Just your general broad thoughts as far as the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Well, look, I mean, it's going to be a team that's going to have fantasy potential. Now, there's some question marks with Alshon Jeffery not quite being with the program yet. They've got a rookie at the wide receiver slot, Jalen Rager. Uh, Miles Sanders is a stud, but then you've got question marks. You know, they, you hear them looking at running backs here and there. I still love Miles Sanders in the draft, but, you know, there's definitely going to be fantasy potential. There's two great tight ends here. And I think really the the safest player in this entire work here is going to be Carson Wentz because you're going to be able to draft him in the the late uh, single-digit rounds, early double-digit rounds. You're going to be able to get him as a value at quarterback and use the late-round quarterback strategy. You know, this guy, you can expect to throw for 4,200 yards plus, 30 touchdowns maybe. You know, there's definitely going to be some potential here to get one of the better quarterbacks in the league for a relatively low price. And overall, my thoughts on the Eagles are they're going to be a good offense and we're just going to have to do our best as the offseason progresses to decipher where the values come in drafts. Beer, let's talk about Wentz. Uh, He's basically being drafted around Matt Ryan, Brady, like a little bit after those guys, a little bit ahead of Rodgers, a little bit ahead of Daniel Jones and Stafford. Is that the right spot for you? Is that too high? Is that too low? Oh, it's about where he belongs, I think. There is some upside. You know, if this offense can stay healthy, like Jamito mentioned, there is some serious weaponry here. You know, a guy like Deshaun Jackson is built for best ball. This is the kind of guy you want in your lineup. So if he can stay in that lineup, he's going to give you three, four very big weeks. So very usable player late in your drafts. And it all kind of circles back to Wentz. I'm a big Dallas Goddard guy. You're going to hear a lot of Zach Ertz talk here in the offseason, where to draft him. I think is going to be a big talking point of a lot of people, a lot of people still like him, draft him early. I'm more on the other side of that. I think he's being overdrafted personally, but it does circle back to Carson Wentz. So I do think there is upside. We've seen him perform at an MVP type level. So if he can stay healthy, the weapons can stay healthy. I think he can be a great value there uh, in that group of quarterbacks. He kind of stands out. You know, Matt Ryan, I think there's a lot of upside there, but uh, the rest of those guys, I think Wentz probably has more upside than any of them, including Tom Brady. So Perfectly fine taking him late. The guy I want to talk about, Miles Sanders. And I'm going to say he's overvalued, and I'm not hating on Miles Sanders. I like the player. But, you know, when you're in that end of the first round and I see Miles Sanders getting drafted, to me he's more of a second-round play. So it's not a huge, huge gap in value there, but first round to me is a little bit too rich for Miles Sanders. So, Jamino, agree, disagree. I, I just I'm shocked when I see him go first round. This is a team we know loves to use multiple backs. You talked about them looking at guys like Devontae Freeman. Boston Scott came on at the end of the year. So just a little bit of a concern with this system. Doug Peterson generally uses multiple backs as good as Sanders was. I don't think he's a first-rounder this year. How about it, Jimena? Look, I play fantasy football aggressively. 
a guy like Miles Sanders is someone I'm fine taking at the end of the first round if you want to play aggressively and you want to be drafting off of next year's ADP and not this year's ADP. Now, the catch here is that you're you're needing Sanders to take a step forward and progress and roll to have more opportunity than the 179 carries, six touchdowns, 1,300 total yards that he had last season. You're looking for him to really not be sharing that backfield in critical situations, to really be getting more reception and become maybe not a bell cow back because I don't know if there is too many of those left in the NFL, but you're really looking for him to be better by a pretty good margin than the majority of his peers that you can draft in a similar range. So a guy like Miles Sanders, yes, is going to be someone who presents you downside because you have to pay a high price tag for him. However, if I'm looking for a player who's a young, ascending, athletic, box-checking talent, it's Miles Sanders, and I don't have any problem if you want to take that risk. Okay, so Beer, here's the thing. I had a couple of things. Uh, Peterson traditionally rolls out a couple of backs, but the, I've heard the other argument be that, hey, he's never had a guy as talented as Sanders. Now he's a guy as talented as Sanders. Maybe he'll give him you know, a much bigger piece of the pie. The other part of it is, and I know you've been drafting a lot in best ball, uh, and I've seen people saying you can take Sanders at four or five or six. And, you know, the argument being that that's the best play. Of course, there's a fall off after three, the first three running backs, and then four, it's just kind of wide open. That's sort of what I'm seeing. Uh, you're not going to get Sanders in the second round anyway, so just take the guy you want. Is that sort of like if you take him at four, you take him at eight, take him at ten, he's not coming back to you. At least that's what I'm seeing. Tell me I'm wrong. Again, you're the one drafting and I'm not. Uh, can you take Sanders at four, five, or six? Can you justify that? I, me personally, no. I, and the point you made is perfectly accurate. Go get your guy. I, I'm always a big believer in that. I think people fall, you know, they, they see these lists of draft lists and ADP lists and, and they just stick to that. But go get your guy whenever you can. So if you're a believer, and Jamino seems to be a believer, so we, we, we need to put him to the test on where he would take him. I don't even think at end of the first, I, I want Miles Sanders. I would much rather have a guy like Joe Mixon, some other names that we're going to talk about. So too many concerns for me. Again, I don't disagree with the talent. Uh, can he ascend? Can he get better? Can he take over this backfield? Yes, he absolutely can. Can he continue to get better year after year? Yes, that's the development we want to see. And I agree with you, Dean. They have never had a back with this level of talent. So I, I may be wrong here, absolutely. But I'm not taking Miles Sanders four or five or six or even in the first 12 picks. And if he doesn't fall to the second, I'm not going to have any Miles Sanders shares this season. Uh, Jamino, hypothetically, what's like the earliest you can pick Sanders? You can justify it. Well, really, I'm not looking to take him before the turn. Like if I'm not okay. on the 11 or the 12, I mean, I'm not even really that interested in considering it as a first round pick. I mean, that's not personally what I would rather do. I was more just stating the fact that if you, if that's something that you want to do as a matter of personal taste, I'm not going to kill it Yeah, Look, you, you want to get a discount on this guy. I think he's got upside. I, I'm not looking to go out of my way and pay the iron price for the, you know, and really put my, you know, I'm looking for floor and necessarily he's got some of that. He's, you know, he's got the the role. And I think that he could ascend to the guy that I think people think they're taking when they take him that early. You know, I'm just not going to go out of my way to make sure it happens every single draft. I appreciate the, uh, the game of Thrones reference. I like that there, Jimmy. Nicely done. Uh, other, other pieces here. We kind of mentioned go, uh, Goddard, like, you know, just sort of, he just kind of worked his way into the conversation. I'm seeing him around uh, 125 as far as his ADP. Uh, the the rookie uh, Jalen is this is a uh, this is Rager is that correct? Rager. Yep. There you go. Nailed Rager. it. Uh, great burst speed. I'm seeing uh, the notes. 99 percentile. That's pretty good. Uh, do we care about that? Is are we excited about his burst speed? But from a uh, best ball perspective for you, uh, beer. You answer that one. 
Yeah, I mean, he's an athlete. You know, and we talked about Brandon IU, kind of kind of the same kind of guy that can make explosive plays. That's what we want in best ball. Now, not a guy I'm going out of my way to get. I would rank Deshaun Jackson ahead of Jalen Rager at this point, but if injuries strike, he's going to have to step in and be a bigger part of this offense. I, I think he'll get opportunity right away, but you know, JJ Arthaga Whiteside is still there as well, <laughs> a guy they took in the second round. So I don't I don't think they're just discarding him. So uh, the expectations I think for Jalen Rager. You're going to need to pump the brakes at first. An exciting athlete, but I don't know if you're going to get a ton of production out of him in year one unless Alshon, Deshaun Jackson get hurt. So that's that. As far as Goddard goes, I love the player. I just don't know how much ceiling there is there with Zach Ertz still on board. So, again, Ertz goes down. We've seen what Dallas Goddard can do. He can still give you some usable weeks, even with Ertz in tow, but with Ertz still there. I don't know that you're going to get any best ball winning weeks out of Dallas Goddard. So, at ADP or below, if you can get him at a value, I like it, but I'm not going to reach for him unless there's some injuries. Yeah, if you ever seen ADP, Fant at 121, Contemporaries for Goddard. Goddard at 125 as far as his ADP. Uh, Hawkinson, 129. Johnny Smith, 139. Is that about right? Basically, market price you're fine with. Otherwise, there's no reason to reach. Yeah, I like him out of that whole group. He'd be my number one there. But to get in uh, the Hayden Hurst, the Gaseckis guys we talked about in, in the last version of this, I like those guys better. So he falls in that group. Out of the names you named, I would rather have Dallas Goddard than any of those other guys. Uh, final thought here, Jamino, as far as the Eagles. And I'm curious, uh, give me your thought on this, because I've heard different thoughts on this. I feel like you, you've expanded on it once before. Uh, earlier, Beer said that DJX, uh, Deshaun Jackson's like your typical best ball guy. You love those spike weeks. And I feel like you sort of like challenged that thought of spike weeks. Uh, I, I guess every player can't be the spike week type. And you need somebody that's kind of level, too. You can sort of rely on week in and week out. Speak to that thought or expand on that thought. It's going to depend on your format. Like if you have a lot of like a deep roster, you know, 20 plus players, spike beat guys like a Deshaun Jackson, I'm certainly interested in loading up on as much as I can. However, there is something to be said about finding guys that have floor ceiling combos and not just guys who are strictly, you know, the guy you're looking for two spiked weeks and 14 down weeks, you know, Ted Ginn, you know, is the, the traditional guy that people have labeled in years past as like a, a spike beat kind of guy. And then, you know, lo and behold, he's never in your best ball roster because he's not out there, you know, that he might've had a season like where he was good, but you know, mostly you want to also consider the floor and not just what the ceiling is. You, you know, people can still make your roster with nine points and on, on sort of a shitty week out there, you know, there's definitely weeks I've looked at my best ball teams and prayed I had an eight or nine or something like that. So it's not exactly all about the guy who scores 102 touchdowns when you talk about quote unquote spike weeks. Yeah. Bill, uh, beer, feel free, feel free to add on that. Uh, give me a closing thought on Philadelphia and then we can open up the, uh, the Patriots. I agree. It's a great mix of floor ceiling, but I still want those guys that have the ability to to give you the 150 and two. I'm not building an entire roster of those guys, or you're going to have two or three weeks that you score and 15 weeks that you don't score very well. So adding those guys to the right mix of safe plays early rounds, if you do well in rounds one through six, you get a nice combination of floor ceiling, then you can take shots on guys like this. But just be careful and don't load up a team with Hollywood Browns and Deshaun Jacksons and Ted Ginns, that's a recipe for disaster. So doing it small, doing it here and there, adding the right piece or two, getting value with them, I think is the key. Finding them late in your drafts, but adding them to the right mix, I agree completely. Floor, ceiling, absolutely imperfect, absolutely in play, I mean, but you definitely need those big weeks to take down some of these bigger contests. So mixing in these these boom-bust type plays, I think is very important in your portfolio, as long as you do it smartly, and don't overload on these guys. All right, Beer, uh, first look on the Patriots. I guess we have to start with Stidham, right? 
I mean, is he even going to be the starter? I, I think that's the main question. So if you really believe in him, I think if you're drafting right now, you're going to get incredible value on him. I'm not so sure that he's going to be the guy. I think they want him to be the guy. We can't forget the elephant in the room named Cam Newton, who's still out there. And, you know, people will dismiss that and say they would have brought him in already. But what if they get to camp and they don't like what they see with Stidham and Hoyer and the group that they have? Cam's still out there. So, again, you're a big believer in Stidham. You can get a, a tremendous value on him right now. I think the longer you wait, the, the market's going to reflect that and the price is going to get more accurate. So I'm out. I, I'm not a believer in him. We haven't seen a lot of Jared Stidham. I, I don't believe they're going to roll into the season with him as their starter. So to me, I think it's a very risky play. Um, people like to be risky. I played somewhat risky. Jared Stidham's not a risk I want to take. Jamino says he plays the win. So are you planning to win here, Jamino, with the Patriots? Is there some value? Jared Stidham's one of my favorite quarterbacks in any of these best ball tournaments you're going to play that are going to have mega fields. I love Jared Stidham. Let me tell you a couple things that the Patriots have not done this offseason so far. They've not re-signed legendary quarterback Tom Brady. They have not drafted a quarterback. They have not give us, given us any indication that Sidham is anything but their intended starter. Pretty much since last season in the preseason when they were grooming him and they were seeing what they had in him, he did nothing but pass the test. 731 yards, four touchdowns, 102.6 rating during that time span. I don't see any signs that the Patriots are interested in going with anyone but Sidham. You look at a guy from The Athletic like Jeff Howe, been doing some great reporting, looking into how the Patriots actually feel about this guy. You know, they're talking to like his throwing coach, Jordan Palmer, and they're finding out that basically they think he's legitimate. They think he's going to be the leader of New England for a long time. He's a guy who definitely has the upside to be, I, I mean, I dare say a franchise player, but I mean, I'm not going to declare him that at this moment in time, but he's got the potential. I, Bill Belichick knows a thing or two. We have not seen any signs that they're looking to go sign a quarterback. I've heard people say Andy Dalton. I've heard all the names for all the quarterbacks on the street. But the bottom line is we're in it's June now, and we haven't seen anything happen. I saw what I saw last season with Stidham in the preseason. He looked like a guy who could play a little bit. I know it's a young player. I know it's the preseason. I know there's a lot to be seen yet. But I have faith, and I think if you're going to get him for basically nothing at the end of a draft, you can go ahead and load him up and maybe try to build some really high upside teams in these big best ball tournaments that we're going to see coming out towards the end of this summer. And I really do like Sidham. I am willing to take that risk. Yeah, Jimino, he's between – I'm looking at our ADP stuff right now. He's between Haskins uh, – he's after Haskins and right before Tyrod Taylor and Nick Foles. Uh, Derek Carr is in front of him. Minshew's in front of him. You just see, you know, the, the potential, potential for upside, essentially, is what you're talking about. That's pretty much it, right? Like – I'm not sure that I want to make sure that I have a portfolio that's entirely comprised of Jared Stidham teams, but I'm going to be way ahead of the field on them. I know I am. And I just, and I just want to take that chance, especially if they don't make any moves, if they don't do anything to counteract what they've done so far, which is basically tell me nothing, but they're intending on trying to give him a chance to be the guy then I'm going to keep drafting them when people are passing. So is there value in drafting Edelman or taking a flyer on Harry, assuming he takes the next step forward? I'm more inclined to take the shot on Harry now, I don't think Harry's some great player, but he also doesn't cost a lot, and you can get him relatively cheaply as a pairing. I don't think stacking is the end-all, be-all, unless you're trying to win one of these mega tournaments, in which case that kind of correlation can do you a favor, especially if two guys are cheap. And Harry's definitely a guy that you can get on the cheap right alongside Stidham. Beer, if you're not a believer in Stidham, or I guess if you think Cam's a thing, uh, obviously if Cam uh, all of a sudden gets signed there, you should like his pieces as well. 
what are you doing with the rest of the guys in the Patriots? I'm I'm pretty much hands off with this team. That that's the issue. I, even if Sidham's the guy, I worry about the the upside in this offense. Now I'm not going to argue the fact that you can get this as a stack later in your drafts, and we need to again validate the point that. I'm only looking to do that in, in huge million-dollar, $2 million tournaments. If I'm in a standard league, I'm not as worried about stacking. If it comes together organically, great. So teams that you can stack cheap, I'm always on the lookout for where you can build a really strong core in them first seven, eight, nine rounds and then still stack a team. So that is the positive I can say about it. I just worry about the, the upside in this offense. The running back room is, is a bunch of question marks. The quarterback room is a bunch of question marks. Edelman's getting old. Harry came on at the end of the year, but still a question mark there. No tight ends to speak of. So it's a good defensive team, a team that loves to run the ball. I just question the upside here. So I'm not going to say you you can't draft any Patriots, but at current ADP, I'm pretty much hands off with all these guys. I don't see any value in this team right now. Dean Stidham, you can make the argument for. I I don't agree. I don't disagree with what Jamino's saying, but some of those names – later in the draft that's fine but i just question the upside with this offense you're you're drafting right beer have you or taken a flyer on cam you've noticed anybody taking cam in the last round is that something people are doing i haven't seen much cam and i i don't think he fits with this team i'm just throwing out a name to to throw out an argument here on why i don't know if stidham's the guy or not just the fact that he's out there i don't see cam newton and bill belichick making a, a good marriage so just kind of throwing a rock in the way of the, of the stidham hype here but uh i don't see cam being drafted unless it's a you know, over 20 rounds, then he'll go. But in most of my drafts that I've seen, I, I don't see him getting drafted. I mean, he can go somewhere. It doesn't have to be the Patriots. And somebody get injured, you know, inevitably during the season, and that might happen. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Cam. But if, I, uh, if I set the over under number of games Cam plays, so let's just make up a line here, uh, at five and a half beer, five and a half uh, quarterback starts for Cam Newton this year. What do you have, the over or the under? I will take the over. I was thinking six. So barely over, but I, I do think it will take an injury, though. You look around the league, there's not a lot of vacancies right now, unless there's a team – you know, like New England, it doesn't believe in Stidham or Jacksonville, who doesn't believe in Minshew. But when I look across the entire landscape, it's looking like backup or bust for Cam Newton unless an injury happens. So uh, a bet I wouldn't make, but just to have fun here, I will take the over. I do think there'll be some injuries or we have to factor in COVID-19. Maybe something happens. The team needs a quarterback. So over, but uh, not, not a glowing, uh, glowing uh, response there for me. Jamino, your thoughts on that line and speak to uh, Sonny Michelle, James White. Man, first of all, Sonny Michel had surgery. That was just revealed not too long ago on his foot. So there's a lot of negatives about Sonny Michel, the fact that he's a one-dimensional grinder, the fact that there's, you know, they've got other backs on this team that could potentially be working in a three, four-man committee by the time the season starts. Certainly James White is going to be the guy that is going to continue to be the receiving threat in that backfield. So I'm not going to be that interested in taking – too much Sony Michelle here unless he falls really, really far. And I'm super desperate at running back, which is rarely going to be the case the way I like to draft. And I'm, I'm not even going to have that much James White, to be honest with you, just because of where you have to take him in the, in the drafts. So I'm looking to get some upside wide receivers in that area of the draft in you know, the rounds 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I mean, wherever you might find James White in your particular draft, I'm not usually drafting running backs around that time. So basically – if I like Stidham, I must like somebody here in this offense, but it's hard for me to find anyone outside of, say, your Julian Edelman or Nikhil Harry that I'm really going to end up drafting myself because I, like Beer, have some concerns for who the individual players in this offense could be. But in aggregate, I feel this offense will be like sort of 
just below average. And I do think Stidham at his draft price is going to be a value if that's the case. People are drafting him like this is going to be the worst offense in the league. All right, moving on. Tiger Kings, Joe Exotic, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, the Bengals. You're opening it up for us, Beer. I mean, uh, what, a, what a change here for Cincinnati. All them years with Andy Dalton, all the, the playoff failures, and, you know, they get in there, they lose, and then last year, uh, just an absolute disaster. But at the end of the year, you can say we saw some signs. We saw some glimmers, especially a guy like Joe Mixon, who, you know, it's hard to, to put too much weight on it. I mean, they were getting blown out of games and still giving him – 30 carries. So you have to put you know a little bit of an asterisk there, but I am a huge Joe Mixon guy. I, I think he's a top five running back in this league. I have no issues taking him in the top five, and I do think this offense will be improved. Now, Joe Burrow, I, I, he's not going to come in and be Mr. 70 touchdown Joe Burrow. How many rookie quarterbacks have you seen come in and really struggle? I mean, from Peyton Manning, all the greats of the game, it generally takes some time. That being said, I still think he can be good enough, and this offense can be good enough where there is some upside with Joe Burrow as a late-round quarterback. I mean, A.J. Green, perfectly healthy from what it sounds like. I know he's a 30-some-year-old receiver, so you know, not, not the young guy that he was coming out of Georgia, but uh, he can still be an impact player. We've seen Tyler Boyd really be productive, a guy that I think is always perennial underrated uh, is Tyler Boyd. And then you get some of the other guys, you know, Auden Tate, John Ross as a deep threat. So I do think this offense can be productive. Joe Burrow, I think, can be a viable late-round quarterback. This is one of my favorite stacks out there. If I can grab Mixon early, mix him in with Burrow and A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd, I think this offense is going is to compete. Now, the division, not ideal. The defenses they're going to go against, Pittsburgh's not ideal, obviously. But I do think this is a sneaky stack. Love Mixon, love Burrow late, and A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd to complete that stack. Yeah, so Jamino, is there enough, uh, you know, to go around? Can this offense support all three? Mixon, AJ Green is going to be 32 when the season starts. Uh, Tyler Boyd, of course, excelled in the Green's absence uh, last year. Can all three of these guys excel? Or one of these guys is AJ Green? Is he a Carol Baskin? We want to avoid him. Uh, what, what are our thoughts here as far as the Cincinnati offense? Well, I mean, we're definitely going to we're going to look back at the end of the year. And we're going to see that this zoo is not going to support all these animals. You know, the Walmart meat truck, the Walmart meat truck is not supporting all these guys. So ultimately, I think it's fair to take a shot on any of them. You know, for me, I mean, I love Tyler Boyd, and I think that he may end up making me look silly. I'm not going out of my way to get there. I, I think that, like I said, somebody has to lose. And I do agree that Mixon is going to be a guy who's got a clear shot at being a big time winner. I mean, this is not going to be the embarrassing offensive line that we saw last season. I'm not so sure they're going to be a top offensive line, but they, you know, they were like 61st in run blocking efficiency as far as running backs who took a carry last year per player profiler was Joe Mixon. Like he had no blocking whatsoever. He was just evading tackles, number two in evaded tackles, um, number one in yards created. And we're talking about a guy who's definitely got the skills coming out of the draft from way back when that we were, we were thinking he was going to be this guy. So if you give him any kind of an offense around him, any kind of blocking, Mixon is definitely going to be the, the guy that I'm looking to get more than any of them. A.J. Green's got question marks, although I'm not against taking him. Uh, like I said, Tyler Boyd could be the loser in this scenario. And Burrow, all things considered, I'll, I'll target him certainly before. I mean, I like Stidham, but I'm definitely going to target Burrow before I get Stidham because, you know, Burrow's the number one overall pick. He's got plenty of weaponry to go around. And certainly this offense is going to have – no business being in a ton of close games. I mean, I think they're definitely going to need to be throwing the ball quite a bit here in Cincinnati. So Burrow is definitely a guy who checks a lot of boxes for me as a fantasy value late in drafts. 
what are the chances AJ Green is just toast? He's going to be 32 at the start of the season. Uh, beer, like it's baked in. Obviously, it's baked in as far as his ADP. We're looking at what 73, the receivers around him, uh, Diggs, then McLaurin, then Samuel, of course, is going to drop. T.Y. Hilton after him is Gallup and Landry and uh, Hollywood Brown, and then Tyler Boyd's not too far behind. Is that kind of where he should be? Is it? It's a risk reward thing with with AJ Green, like you're saying. They 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 think he's going to be healthy, but who really knows? I, I worry about him, and I'm really only targeting him if I do intend to build that stack. Uh, I prefer Tyler Boyd out of the two. Uh, I think he does end up being their best receiver. I don't know. A can AJ Green stay healthy? We we haven't seen it in years. Uh, B how well does he fit with a guy like Joe Burrow? I mean, it, we're still thinking of AJ Green like, like he's a stud. Those days are gone. So I, I just have a lot of concerns with him. If I'm building the stack, I don't mind adding him to that because there could be some upside there if he does manage to play 12, 13 games. But I prefer Tyler Boyd, love Mixon, and Green only fits with me in a stack if I grab Burrow later. Here it's McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott as your first three. Uh, when do you start thinking about taking Mixon? Can you take Mixon at four, five, six? When is he all of a sudden in the conversation for you? Right now I have him at five. I have Kamara at four, but I flip-flop those two all the time. So it's it depends on the day right now. I'm fine with him in that top five. I just think he's a, he belongs in that category with these guys, talent-wise, workhorse-wise. I'm not worried about Gio Bernard, some of these other guys, some of the rookies they drafted last season. This guy can catch the ball out of the backfield. The offensive line, like Jamino mentioned, will be better, can't be any worse. So – uh, that's encouraging for him, but love the talent. And with an ascending offense, if they're that much better, Joe Burrow can bring anything to the table. A uh, 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 upgrade of last year and Dalton and some of the quarterbacks they dealt with, it's going to make his life a lot easier. So five right now, but but I think he can finish inside the top three, actually. He's, he's a stud, and he belongs there. I'm being presumptuous. Is Cook four for you right now still, despite the fact that there's uh, some sort of contract, contract issues going on? I've moved him down. I, I'm worried okay. about that. And we saw it with Melvin Gordon. We've seen it with Le'Veon Bell. The, these guys will hold out. So I, I've moved Cook down. Kamara four right now for me. But, again, Mix and Kamara kind of flip-flop in that top five. Uh, Jimino, speaking of boom bust, we got Ross there. Is Ross interesting? We, you were talking about the chances of the three guys not being supported. Of course, you only need a, so many weeks to justify dra- drafting uh, Ross late in the, late in the, you know, in the best ball draft. Uh, any interest there for you as far as a late-round flyer? No, if we're making Tiger King references, we need to put John Ross inside the building with all the film that burnt down and just forget about it. Rick like, Kirkham is not going to be pleased. Right. No, we, you know, you know, he, he is definitely, he's, you know who he is? He is the guy that Carol Baskin's husband who disappeared. That's what John Ross is right now. Just forget it. What happened to this show? <laughs> you have any other thoughts here as far as the Bengals, do we know, or, or shall we move on? Let's get, let's move on. I think we've exhausted and we hit the quota. I'm pretty sure we hit the quota, the over, smash the over on Tiger King references. Uh, feel free to, you know, polish this up. Anything else you want to throw out there as far as the Bengal there, uh, the Bengals beer. But uh, otherwise, we're going to move on to the Dolphins, and uh, the floor is yours as far as my Miami Dolphins. Maybe we should give the floor to you here. It's your, your team, but uh, an interesting team here, a, a team I, I really believe in long term. But when we're playing best ball, we're playing this year only. So I do think there can be some value on this team, most, most li- likely at the wide receiver position. I really like a guy, Preston Williams, who was really showing signs of, of being a stud. It was undrafted. Was a stud in college, had some issues, but we're really coming on last season before he got hurt. So Devontae Parker is the name you're going to see in the middle rounds. I would much rather wait and get a guy like Preston Williams, who I think is the better receiver out of the two. So uh, we start with that. 
Running back-wise, I think late in your drafts, I would prefer Burrito over Howard, uh, but that's going to be a, a timeshare I really don't want to mess much with. The quarterback room, I think it'll be Fitzpatrick most of the season. So another team I think you could stack pretty cheaply, and you could start late. Preston Williams, Gasecki, Fitzpatrick, those are the three guys that really stand out to me. I love Tua, but I think they're going to want to wait, sit him as long as humanly possible. They could sit him for the entire year. I think that would be ideal. This is a team – that has done it right. They're looking to the future. They're looking long-term. Uh, but Preston Williams, the name that really stands out to me as a value here in the Dolphins. Yeah, we, we talked about Sonny Michelle earlier, by the way. I mean, that, like a worse version, a less sexy version of Sonny, Sonny Michelle to be like Jordan Howard. It's just nobody wants to draft these guys. It's just the worst. Uh, obviously, Breed is much more exciting. I know he's a, a spark hero. Those who love the spark scores out there, too. Uh, speak to the back the backfield there first, Jamino, as far as the running backs. Look, I mean, you want to talk about what Matt Breida can do in the open field. I mean, he had one of the fastest next-gen plays of all of 2019 on a long touchdown. You know, he managed five double-digit PPR performances despite just being 32% snaps for the 49ers. You know, every time he's basically been given a chance over the last two years, we've seen some fantasy production. We've seen fantasy upside. He was just kind of in a bad spot last year, not to mention he's had some injuries that he has dealt with. We saw Miami get proactive and go out and acquired this player despite knowing that they had some talent already in their building. And now, you know, you know, Laird is, of course, a guy that we're not going to be talking about anymore now that we've got uh, Matt Breida in the building. <laughs> I actually God. think when you talk about where you can draft him and what the upside is, I think I really like Breida as a fantasy pick because you can get him for a backup price, but there's plenty of scenarios that could play out in the National Football League, particularly when the person in front of you is Jordan Howard, where he could all of a sudden become – a two-and-a-half, three-down player where he's catching passes and getting goal line work, and he's got explosive playmaking ability you know, in a variety of different ways, and you're drafting him for practically nothing. So when you're trying to fill out maybe the last spot or two of your running back position, Frida makes a great pick for me. I'm going to take him probably ahead of most people, and I'm going to feel good about it. Yeah, I mean, this is the best ball hot take show, Jamino. Like, is it crazy to say that Brita can end the season if the dominoes fall his way as like a top eight running back? Is that completely absurd? I don't think it's it's not going to happen, but I don't think it's absurd. Like, <laughs> like I mean, you need a lot to go right to be a top eight back. I mean, but look, look, every single year we look at who the top twenty backs are, and you see guys you thought sucked, and all of a sudden they end up being one of the top twenty players. It's just the nature of attrition in the National Football League that if your guy can actually survive and stay on the field and produce each and every week, he's going to have a chance. Now that is not the profile that we've seen so far from Matt Breida. But again, I'm playing aggressively. I'm playing to win. I think Matt Breida is a play-to-win type of pick, provided that you can get him at the right price. What about uh, Parker versus Williams when you consider their ADP? As of right now, Parker's at 61, Williams at 140. Which do you prefer in the old uh, in the Hoover, in the vacuum? You want the cheaper guy. You want Williams, I think. But I'm not super crazy about the price point on Parker is probably the main reason why I'm not taking him. I think there's plenty of guys that are surrounding him that are just as good of a player got similar physical traits and certainly have the profile that fits best ball pretty well and are ha- playing with better quarterback situations, quite frankly. I mean, we all love Ryan Fitzpatrick and we all think Tua can be something, but, you know, let's be realistic here. You know, you can get guys playing with Russell Wilson in that same kind of tier. You know, you're not really having to pay, you know, I even like DJ Shark, you know, I think, uh, you know, what's going on in Jacksonville is not the greatest, but Shark's got plenty of potential to be a guy I might want just a little bit ahead of Parker. But the bottom line is no matter where you want to rank all those guys, Preston Williams is in a different tier. He's a lot cheaper. And I think he's got 
the potential to be even better than Parker if things fall right for him. I'm probably going to take Preston Williams more often than Parker. On a previous show, on our first show, Davey Show, of course, you can find that in the RG stream uh, on YouTube as well. Uh, Beer, I know you were gushing over Gusecki. Uh, is he still your guy right now? Like being drafted ahead of Fant, we talked about a Goddard, but right behind, uh, we're seeing behind Cook, behind Hurst. Is that still a good spot for you? Yeah, still a big fan of him and his development. So I like Hayden Hurst a little bit better in that range, uh, in that Atlanta offense. But I think Gusecki really going to see him start to take a step here. So to me, Devontae Parker and, and Jamino mentioned it. I mentioned it earlier. Vastly overrated. You know, wait and take Preston Williams, who was the better receiver. Parker only put up those big numbers when Preston Williams went down. So why take Parker in the fifth when you can wait and take Preston Williams in, in the 10th, 11th, 12th round? So that one's easy to me. Gasecki, a great value at tight end. And I agree with Breed. I, I think he's one of those guys, if you load it up, say you went receiver early, you went a zero RB approach, whatever, even if you went a regular approach and, and you grab him late, he can give you those spike weeks. And I do think he'll be way better than Jordan Howard this season. Howard maybe gobble up some touchdowns, but Matt Breida will be the better running back out of this group, no question. So some great value on this team, a team that you can stack up late like we talked about with some of these other teams, and I think they're going to be better than people realize. Jimino, feel free to add any final thoughts on the Dolphins if you wish. Otherwise, open up the Carolina Panthers. And, I mean, we talk about Bell, you know, Bell Calvax not really being a thing. Well, CMC has something to say about that. Christian McCaffrey is on the field basically every single play. Some games, the every single play, like literally. Uh, we just draft him 1-1 and that's it. Like, what are we supposed to say here? Yeah, I mean, we're not going to talk about Christian McCaffrey. Everyone knows what to do. <laughs> you're on the clock up top there. You're, I mean, you're probably taking Christian McCaffrey as the top overall pick. If you want to like, I'm interested. If you want to give the case for any of these other guys being better than McCaffrey this year, by all means, you know I mean? Here? Bark- Barkley's really talented. Zeke Elliott's going to be playing in a great offense this season. But for me, I mean, you just take the guy who's catching all the passes from the guy who was a 7% deep ball rate. Like, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater, like, barely threw a deep ball when he had the chance last year. I'm not saying that they're not going to try to uncork a couple of th- this season, certainly more than 7%. But at the end of the day, you would expect Teddy Bridgewater to be more of a game manager type than someone who's going to be out there throwing for 300-plus yards and multiple touchdowns. And that's probably going to entail a lot of passes to Christian McCaffrey. So I've already talked about it more than I want to. Let's go ahead and dial him up. Yeah, Beer, McCaffrey, is he 1-1 and that's that? Yeah, I mean, unless you're in a super flex and you want to make the argument with Patrick Mahomes, that's the only way I'm having this argument. So great points by Jamino. let's not forget. Brady in town as the offensive coordinator. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Lair caught a ton of passes at LSU, so that's in his favor as well. I know there's talk they're going to dial him back. He's still the best running back in football. The workload to be there with Teddy Bridgewater. I think it's a perfect fit. No-brainer. Slam dunk. Don't overthink it. Christian McCaffrey is the first pick. Let's move on. Uh, Teddy is a flyer. We're, we're amongst the quarterback flyers, where's Teddy for you? It's probably in that same group of guys we've been talking about. You know, Burrow, he will be a little below Matt Ryan, some of those other names. Again, I worry about upside here. I like the pieces in this offense. I worry, though, can they all get fed? You know, we, we were talking Tiger King here. I mean, you got McCaffrey. You got DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. You bring in Robbie Anderson. Can they support all of these options? Not to mention Ian Thomas, who's an up-and-coming tight end there. So that's what I worry about the upside with, with Teddy Bridgewater. I think he'll have some decent games, which – fits to the best ball narrative and taking him late. I don't mind because of that weaponry, but not a guy that I'm seeking out. I would rather pick individual pieces off of this Carolina team or try to build that stack. If you went McCaffrey early, you grabbed a DJ Moore, 
then you can wait and take Taddy late and, and kind of complete that stack. Beer, I've seen a lot of hype on DJ Moore. Is he being drafted right around where he should be, too high, too low? What do you think? I love DJ Moore more in a dynasty league. I play in a ton of dynasty leagues, so I love the, the trajectory that he's on. So I think this season right now, being a little bit overdrafted, I do love the talent. But, I mean, they're starting to put him up with some of the best wide receivers in the game, which I do think he can get to that point. I don't know if he's there yet. We saw great signs last season out of this guy. But, again, a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. Can he get enough targets to justify that draft price? Right now, this season, best ball, I think he's being overdrafted. How much does Teddy help or hurt uh, a guy like DJ Moore, uh, Jimino, and also throw uh, Robbie Anderson into the conversation? And Samuel, just the receivers with uh, with Teddy, like you said, the lack of throwing the deep ball. Look, it's a, it's a pretty difficult question to answer because I can see tons of different arguments being made here. You can make the argument the division they play in with New Orleans and Atlanta and Tampa Bay and, you know, a low-end schedule that they're going to be facing in 2020 that this could be a team that's playing from behind. This could be a team that is going to have to uncork a lot of pass attempts and that these receivers could eventually crush their ADPs. You can make that case. You could also make the case that Teddy Bridgewater is not sort of an aggressive thrower. He's not going to get guys like Robbie Anderson downfield. You're talking about lots of target competition for a guy like Anderson from guys who are interior players. You mentioned McCaffrey. How about Ian Thomas? You know, no Greg Olson now. Uh, ascending player who's got plenty of athleticism to play the tight end position as a receiver. Someone who's now going to get a chance to play uh, in the spotlight in that role can, can run up the seam and just, you know, basically be a kind of guy that Teddy Bridgewater looks to as a safety blanket. I hate to use that term, that cliche, but that's something that could end up happening here. And in the, in the interim, you've got DJ Moore ascending talent. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of bodies here that could eventually usurp someone like a Robbie Anderson or a Curtis Samuel to the point where I'm not that interested in those guys, but I made the case before about this offense potentially being in a lot of shootout potential games. And that, you know, that's a fair argument. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill that one. I'm just personally going to guys like Thomas, if I can, because I think that's going to be a cheap way to get exposure to that same situation. We got Thomas uh, currently at 153 as far as his ADP, right? Right behind the likes of uh, Jake Doyle, Blake Jarwin, right in front of Ebron and Herndon, uh, OJ Howard as well. Is that about the spot you think he should be picked, Jimino, or maybe you think there's some value there? Tight end two for sure. I mean, you don't want to be taking him as your your top tight end. You know, tight end, or if you go for a three tight end build, he's your third tight end. You're, he's not somebody that you're looking to get anywhere before the late rounds. Here we have uh, Anderson at one thirty six. Currently, his ADP Samuel one forty four. Basically the same. Who do you prefer? I I struggle with both of these guys. I, I think eventually they're going to make a move. We've heard straight talks around Curtis Samuel. Sounds like they were shopping him around a little bit. Uh, I mean, Robbie Anderson, probably the more established of the two, so I would say him. But to be honest with you, I'm not really searching either of these guys out, again, unless I'm looking to build that Carolina stack. So I worry about Teddy getting the ball downfield, pushing it downfield. Maybe that changes. Maybe we see a new Teddy Bridgewater in this offense. But right now, neither of those guys are really standing out to me as guys I'm targeting. Are you landing on some uh, Ian Thomas as far as your best ball drafts? Yeah, like Jamino said later, you know, he's he's kind of mixed. He doesn't really stand out in that group of tight ends. It's kind of a, a mad group. You know, you, mm-hmm. you ask 10 people, they're going to give you 10 different answers on who they like. So, you know, I would prefer a guy like Ebron there. No issues with Thomas again. It just too worried about this offense and how spread out it's going to be 
you got to worry about McCaffrey and his share. You know, that that's something people don't really factor into these wide receivers and tight ends sometimes. He's going to get a ton of targets, going to take away from everybody else. Now you add Anderson in to what was already a crowded room, uh, just some worries there. So Thomas, sure, not overly excited about it, kind of blends in with the rest of that group. This is the best ball hot take show. We got to finish strong, finish with a hot take or reiterate a point we kind of made earlier in the show. You're going to bat first beer. All right, hot take alert. Joe Mixon finishes as the number one running back this season. How's Woo! that for a hot take? That is scalding, Jamino. You might as well just fold. You can't, you can't match that. You can't raise that. Jared Stidham matches or eclipses Tom Brady's passing production from a season ago. Okay. All right. Is that about the same as in, term, in terms of hotness? What do you think, Bear? I, yeah, he, I can do he, better. He brought it. He brought it there. I mean, <laughs> but if he can do better, well, we, we got time. What else you got? That was pretty good. What else you got, Jamino? Carson Wentz throws for 4,600 yards and 35 – no, that's too many. 32 <laughs> touchdowns. <laughs> We're not Dial back the heat this. a little bit. Dial back the heat. The point, here's, the, here's the point, Dean. Yeah. I like those two players as quarterbacks you can take late in the draft, and I do think they're going to do better than their ADP expectations. I presume we will be back next week. I presume we'll be back with five new teams we're going to break down. With that said, thank you for watching the Best Ball Hot Take Show here at Rotorgrunners.com. He is Jamino. He is Beer. I was Dean. Thanks for watching. We're out of here. Oh.